Do you know where the door to the labyrinth is? Ooh, maybe. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. You have to see it for yourself. Do you know where the door to the is? Maybe. Do you like it strong? Maybe. Do you like it strong? Do you like it strong? Um, yeah, strong is good. Welcome to the Urban Guru Cafe. No future experience is ever going to come. No expectations ever going to be fulfilled. This right here and now is it. This right here and now is the wholeness we've been seeking. This week, Aretti presents part two of an interview with Randall Friend. It's not figuring out the complexities and then arriving at a conclusion. It's when the complexities fall away, when they crumble, when they dissolve, and then we're left with wholeness, we're left with oneness. So all that is necessary is to cease translation of this right here and right now. The book is due to be released early to mid-May 2009 from Non-Duality Press. It's called You Are No Thing, Recognizing Your True Nature. It talks about our worldly knowledge, or what is called ignorance. The next part of the book talks about self-knowledge, or knowing what you are. Part three of the book is direct pointing to your true nature. And part four is a collection of a few email dialogues. Our worldly knowledge is called ignorance because reality is ignored. What is is ignored in preference for the conceptual formations, in preference for the labeling, and in this labeling there is an automatic duality created in what is inherently non-dual. Reality is taken to be separate only in this interpretation or translation or conceptualization. So in this right here and now, this, this is reality right here and now. There is no evidence of separation anywhere. There is no evidence of it. If we just look, we have to conceptualize what is before we can call it separate. There are no boundaries that we can find. There are no lines drawn anywhere. 
This may be called present evidence or direct experience. Present evidence is this, just what is, what is right here and now. That is reality. It gets conceptualized and spiritualized into I'm looking for something somewhere, some experience, some state. I've got to look for some formation of the self, or I've got to look for some kind of light. Or it gets wrapped up in spirituality, and it has nothing to do with any of that. It only has to do with reality. What is reality? Mind is not something. Mind is a concept. In the book, I say we think of mind as something separately existing, like a, like a little radio announcer's booth. You know, where the little guy or the little girl is in the middle of that radio announcer's booth, you know, with the thoughts and with the control of the body. But mind is a concept. There is no such thing as mind. What we know as mind is thought. That's all it is. And thought is the past and the future. Thought is a belief. Thought is assumptions. Thought is a translating tool. So there's a sensation, and then the mind says, my foot hurts. But we don't know what the hell it is. The mind says it's my foot, and that it hurts, and that it's bad. The mind is a tool of translation. We don't know what the hell it is. We don't know what the hell anything is. We don't know what mind is. So we say, that's a tree. We see something. We don't know what it is. We say, that's a tree. I know it's a tree because I was told it's a tree, but that's not direct experience. We don't know what the hell it is. We have no absolute knowledge that it's a tree. It's just an appearance. Treeness is a translation. Treeness is thought. That's it. We don't know what the hell it is. Accompanying that, we don't know that it's separate. Separation is a translation. We don't know that it's over there. The distance and the fact that it's over there is a translation. Distance is a translation. Part three is really a collection of various ways of pointing to what we really are. And we can say that we are consciousness or awareness, but the instant that we do that, we're already trying to translate it. So Advaita means not to, non-duality. Advaita is not pointing to some attainment in the future. Advaita is pointing to this moment, this present immediacy, this right here and right now. This is Advaita. It's never absent. It's not something that we need to find. It's not something that we're lacking. It's not something that we're missing. It's just an incorrect interpretation of reality. So all that is necessary is to cease translation of this right here and right now. But 
the mind can't give that up. The mind can't give it up because this is never good enough. So that platform of assumptions is still rock solid. It can't be this because this isn't good enough. There has to be something better than this. So we constantly overlook this moment. No matter what's said, no matter what's pointed to, this right here and right now is always overlooked in preference for something else. And therefore, it will always be missed. Because it's not difficult. It's not difficult to find. It's impossible to avoid. This is it. Advaita is unavoidable. This is all there is. Enlightenment is right here and right now. Advaita is right here and right now. It can't be anywhere else. This is the wholeness that we've been searching for, this. But the question then will come, how can this be it because I'm suffering? Well, immediately we've climbed up on that platform to object. We've already climbed up the ladder of concepts to object. And we've put ourselves smack in the middle of the picture again, haven't we? Yes, yes. So that me as a separate individual self. Now the world is out there and I'm in here. And this person wants it to be different. And as long as there's the assumption of separation, then it will never be okay because everything that comes will pass. Anything that comes that's good will pass. If we get peace, that will pass and be replaced by conflict. If we get happiness, that will be replaced with sadness. Every time that we're looking for something, we're looking for peace in the impermanent. And it will always lead to futility and frustration. to the Urban Guru Cafe. Permanent is the nature of the appearance. It's just appearance. Yet, when we recognize that that appearance cannot be outside of or separate from the wholeness, then there's nowhere to look anymore. There's nowhere that we have to go anymore because we recognize that Advaita is here and now already. And it's only due to a false interpretation of this or an interpretation at all the mind interprets this, and the only way that it can do that is by dividing it, by labeling it, by giving it a word. And in that, it creates the opposite. So the I am appears, I am, so that sense of self-evidence is translated into this I amness. And then I am separate. I am an individual. And the opposite of that is the world. So 
that very assumption, that first assumption of I am, creates the assumption of the world automatically, yeah. already. You say in your section on self that it's obvious that we are witness to the play. Can you explain what you mean by this? Witnessing is coming to see that the translation is a translation. Witnessing is a break of the identification with the body-mind. So we've taken ourselves to be the body-mind, and the body-mind is the source of awareness. The body-mind is the temporary source of awareness. And the world is separate from the body-mind outside of the body-mind or the body-mind is within the world or in the universe but th through neti neti or not this not that which is a methodology of Vedanta we come to be aware of the fact that we are not the body-mind and it's a simple process we look out and we see the world we see a tree and we know we're not the tree the translation is there but it is saying, I'm not the tree. Well, how do we know we're not the tree? We know because it appears to us. It's an object. So we look at the body, and we point out that the body is also an appearance. The body is arising in perception. I can feel the body. I can see the body. I can touch the body. I can smell the body. The body is an appearance, and it's also a sensation. There's a sensation that I've called foot. I don't really know what the hell it is, but I call it foot. How do I know that it's a foot? It's only a translation. There's a sensation that I call breathing. There's a sensation that I call heartbeat. There's a sensation that I call thought. This is all appearing to me. So just like the tree, the body and the mind is an appearance, an object. So what I am does not appear. What I am is invisible. Because anything that can appear, anything that I can describe, anything that I can tell you the characteristics of, the shape, the size, the color, it obviously has to be an object. And I can do that with the body. I can do that with thoughts. I can describe them. They are appearing to me. So what I am is that source, that invisible subjectivity. What I am is that awareness, what we call awareness. And that awareness is not describable. It doesn't have characteristics. It doesn't have a location. It doesn't have a duration. I can't tell you what the color of awareness is. I can't tell you what the size of awareness is. I can't tell you what the shape of awareness is. Yet awareness is self-evident. So the witness is pointing out that what I am is simply witnessing everything that is a form of negation you can only know what you are by knowing what you're not and what you're not is everything that appears and when you see that you're nothing that appears then what you are it becomes obvious although we don't see it because if it became an appearance then there would have to be another self prior to awareness so the witness is simply a break of identification with that body-mind, with what we've taken ourselves to be. 
want to say something about the cliff? It's a bit of a recurring <laughs> theme for you, <laughs> coming to the edge of the cliff, <laughs> letting go of the rope. Well, the cliff comes from meetings in the Second Life. We would talk about the cliff that as we're continually negating not this, not that, as we're continually discarding concepts, seeing through concepts, recognizing that the translation is false. We are continually backing up away from that identification of the body-mind, continually backing up away from that, pulling back to the witness and keep stepping back and stepping back. And then we see that the witness is still a concept. We see that we still are making a translation by saying that we're just the witness. We're not the body-mind because that's pretty simple. It's pretty obvious that the body-mind is an appearance. The body-mind is an object. So what I am must be that awareness, that invisible subjectivity. Yet as the witness, we're still in duality. We're still in translation. We're still talking about a subject and an object. We're still talking about the experience Er and the experience. So we've stepped back to the cliff, the edge of the cliff, but we're still in duality. We're still standing on a cliff. We're still the witness, witnessing a world. And we're still awareness, aware of the world. So we're still in concepts. We're still in duality. We're still translating. And so we fall off the cliff. But we can only fall because we see that there is no cliff. We see that that cliff was just another translation. We see the witness, the experiencer. We see that the knower and the known are still subject-object equation. They're still translating, still the duality of opposites. So we fall, but there's no one to fall. There's no one that can fall off the cliff. There's no up or down because that up and down is still a translation. Everything that's ever happened has been my own self. In the mind we can say, that's a thought, and the thought does this, and then we can go on and on into the stories forever. And that's what we do. That's the normal way of operation. That's where the translation has gone off track. There is no translation. This needs no translation. Your self-evidence needs no translation. You don't need to translate anything to know that you exist. You don't need any concept to know your own self. None. You need no thought. You need no reassurance. You need no I am to know your own self. And your self has been there for a lifetime of experience. You have been there for every experience. It cannot be any other way. All you know is your own self. Every experience is your own self already. And then the mind has to come in before we can even know anything. Before we can have any worldly knowledge, the mind has to come in and make a translation. But we don't have any way to confirm the reality of those translations. No one can come to you from the outside of your experience and say that is absolutely mine and this is absolutely what it means because the only way that you know that is through worldly knowledge.
it's the most simple, most simple thing that there is. Even a baby understands. And that's because the baby has not been taught to translate yet. The baby has not been taught to interpret reality as separate. The baby knows nothing of that. Everything to the baby is itself, its own self. And all you know is your own self. Everything that's ever appeared is your own self. The self is present in every experience. It can't be separated. You can find no separation between yourself and experience. Never, ever, ever, ever come apart. They've never come apart. So to try to make them apart, we have to have this translation going on. But it, it can't ever divide it because the mind is another experience. So the mind is a reflection of yourself. Something has to arise, and then that pure light of awareness is its just like light in the particles. In deep space where there are no objects, there's no light because there's nothing to intersect the light. Yet when we have an object, then something can intersect the light. Something can be illuminated. So the movement itself, life patterns itself, and by that patterning, it knows itself. Just like the light can't know itself without an object. So life knows itself through this patterning. So there's nowhere to go. There's nothing to get. There's no future experience is ever going to come. No expectations ever going to be fulfilled. This right here and now is it. This right here and now is the wholeness we've been seeking. It's not figuring out the complexities and then arriving at a conclusion. It's when the complexities fall away, when they crumble, when they dissolve. And then we're left with wholeness. We're left with oneness. And then all the complexities can come back. All the mind can come back. All the translations and the stories can come back. And it doesn't make any difference. And that's the freedom. You can translate all you want to. You can have all the thoughts you want to. You can have all the stories you want to. Because it can never, ever divide what is already whole. You have been listening to part two of an interview with Randall Friend. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? The Urban Guru Cafe is produced in Australia. Well, if I needed you, would you come to me? Would you come to me and ease my pain? All I'm offering is the truth. After this, there is no turning back.
talking about. 